Hey there, I'm Jennifer, and I've been a makeup artist and a licensed esthetician for over 20 years. I know firsthand how confusing and overwhelming the beauty industry can be. And if you're distracted by all the noise, advice, and advertising fluff from all of the beauty blogs and the websites and the reviews and the videos and the social media influencers, and if you're struggling with trying to understand how your skin works and you need help choosing and applying the right products, then you, my friends, are in the right place. If you love skincare and makeup, but at the same time, you just want a simple yet effective skincare and makeup routine that actually works, that saves you time, money, and effort, but still allows you to look fantastic. If you want to focus on your God-given beauty while striking a balance between self-care and vanity, it's all here on the Blessed Beauty Podcast. Let's get started. I don't know about you, but every single year, it feels like Lent just tippy toes behind me and I'm always thinking to myself we just got through the holidays I just got through everything involving Christmas from the putting up of the decor to the celebrating to the gatherings to the cooking to the shopping to the putting everything away I just came off of my wonderful Christmas high here you are and uh it can be rough. It can be really, really rough. I'm redoing the Bible in a Year podcast for the third time, actually. First time I stopped on day 80-something, didn't finish. Second time, it took me about a year and a half, but I went through the whole thing. And now, 2024, I started in January 2024 again and I was thinking about it and thinking okay I need to approach Lent in a completely different way and in one of my Catholic Bible apps Word Among Us it was talking about Lent in the sense that what is Lent what do we as Catholics what do we want to take away from Lent why do we even have it 40 long days obviously it's preparation right it's preparation for the resurrection of our Lord What was Christ doing before the beginning of his public ministry? He was in the desert for 40 days, praying and fasting and being tempted by the devil. And he emerged victorious. He emerged closer to the Father than ever. And he was finally ready to start his public ministry and spread the news of the gospel and get souls to heaven. And what are we doing in Lent? We're praying, we're fasting, almsgiving, and we are being bombarded and tempted by the devil at every turn. He really wants us to break any Lenten promise that we want to make to ourselves, whether it's to pray more to become closer to the Lord, to fast, to give more money in this season, or just to devote ourselves more, you know, time-wise Whatever it is that we're trying to do, we are really being tempted, just like our Lord was. So I've been thinking that I want to approach Lent more in the mindset of what can I do to be more like Christ? Follow in his footsteps. What can you do? And what is more Christ-like than following in our Savior's footsteps? So let's take these 40 days and look at them as a way to prepare. I really feel like the new year doesn't start for me on January 1st. The new year for me starts in Lent, in the Lenten season. It's a preparation 
for a new life, a new beginning, a new communion with Christ and with my church community and the world. If I can undergo this task, this time of preparation, if I can make it through this hard season and emerge a little bit stronger, a little more prayerful, a little less selfish, well then it's a 40 days that I really do want to undertake. Be tempted to kind of get down on ourselves during Lent and get down on everything, right? Especially when we're thinking of the Lord just imposing more restrictions, more things for us to kind of undergo and suffer during the Lenten season. And it's inevitable as humans, we're going to feel that way. We're going to feel like it's one more thing that we're denying ourselves, whether we feel like we need to give up alcohol or food or, you know, binge watching Netflix, whatever it is. We feel like it's more things that we have to kind of take out of our life that bring joy or at least some measure of enjoyment. Why do we have to give all this up? Why are there so many rules? It's really easy to fall into that mindset of feeling like you're depriving yourself. And I'll admit I was feeling a little down, especially with the start of Lent this year. I felt like it kind of crept up on me like it does every year. But then like I was just describing, I was trying to look at it from the point of view of, okay, our Lord went in the desert for the 40 days and he prepared himself for the ministry. I need to go walk through this Lenten journey with him for these 40 days and prepare myself. And in the beginning of last week, when Lent first started, some of the readings in my Bible in the year reading plan were about Leviticus. And if you know anything about Leviticus, you know that it is a pretty difficult book to get through. There are a lot of rules and a lot of God communicating to his people through Moses and Aaron exactly and specifically how he wants to be worshipped. He is setting up rules for every single area of their life, what they wear, what they eat, how they'll worship, all of it. And I was thinking to myself, if you ever start to feel a little down and you ever start to feel alone, and if you ever start to feel that maybe God doesn't care about you, that maybe you're not important enough, that you're kind of just this small speck in the universe, and why would the all-powerful, mighty creator even think about you or you know, pause enough to really, really show you that he loves you and that he cares because it is easy to feel like you're not worthy and does he really love you? I mean, I think all of us at some point or another in our journey have wondered, am I really enough? Am I worthy? Does he really, really love me the way that I've been told he does because we all talk about God is love. You know, God loves you. God is love. God loves you. But a lot of times, especially at our low points or when we're feeling down, anxious, worried, going through pain, whatever it is, when we stop and we pause and we think, does he really love me? Does he really love me? And reading Leviticus and going through verse after verse after verse of every single 
tiny, minuscule detail thing that the Lord is detailing to Moses and Aaron about what he wants, what he expects of them, I kind of had this light bulb moment where I was like, this is it. This explains it. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. So in Leviticus, in the middle of chapter six, when the Lord is talking to Moses about the law of offerings, and he's saying, the Lord said to Moses, command Aaron and his son saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until the morning and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and put his linen breeches upon his body. And he shall take up the ashes to which the fire has consumed the burnt offering on the altar and put them aside the altar. And then it goes on into detailing exactly how he'll put his garments off, how he shall take his garments on and off, how he will carry forth the ashes outside the camp, how the fire on the altar is to be kept burning, how long it's to be kept burning, what type of oils and cereal offerings they're going to have to put upon the altar, what type of oils like frankincense, how they are supposed to burn these specific things, how they will eat the unleavened bread in the holy place, and how here in chapter 16, verse 18, he says, the Lord says to Moses, every male among the children of Aaron may eat of it, meaning the leavened, unleavened bread, as decreed forever throughout your generations from the Lord's offerings by fire, whoever touches them shall become holy. And it just goes on and on. And in Leviticus also, it talks about how Aaron is supposed to prepare the altar with the blood sprinkled, you know, all about and everything they're supposed to do. And I was thinking to myself, how much more can he love us than to give us these almost painful details that we have to follow to the letter. And why is he doing this? He's doing it because he doesn't want us to make a mistake. He wants to give us such a detailed roadmap of directions and rules so that if we ever wonder uh, what we should be doing or what we should be, shouldn't be doing, he's telling us, this is how to worship me. I love you. And this is what I want you to do, how you need to worship to show me that you love me. It's a reciprocal relationship. If you do these things, I will know that you love me. I will know that you are worshiping. You know, he already brought them out of bondage, out of Egypt. And what did they do? They grumbled in the desert. They were always unhappy. They were always complaining to Moses, always complaining to Aaron. And time and time again, the Lord is offering them not only safety and freedom from the Egyptians, but he's offering them manna from heaven. He's offering them quail to eat. He is showing them how to worship him, that he is just taking care of every single aspect of their lives, almost like children holding them by the hand and giving them all of these rules, all of these things down to the tiniest detail so that any question that they might have in their mind of what they are to be doing or what they aren't to be doing because they just are confused, God's gonna tell them. He's gonna tell them what to do. And in this sense, giving them instruction is kind of how, if you're a parent, how we as parents give instruction to our kids, sometimes down to the super fine details in the way that the Lord is describing to Moses and Aaron to communicate to the priests and the people as to how they're supposed to worship him. You know, I've given my kids details down to like, 
the finest little things about, you know, this is how you should be making your bed. This is how you should be cleaning up your room. You know, this is how you should be doing your work in school. I'm giving them the finer points of everything because I want them to succeed. I want them to know that I love them enough to take the time to impart all these details and give them the freedom to learn from these rules and then take that and run with it and know that they're doing the right thing, that they are under the shadow of my love and my protection. So if you're ever wondering whether or not God really does love you, just read Leviticus. And it's sometimes a little, it can get kind of confusing and you're kind of all over the place as to wondering exactly what the point is. But the point is, is to have it be so detailed and these rules and and all of these directives that he is giving his people, he gives you all these details. He gave the Israelites all of these fine details, just like he wants to give us all of these fine details because he didn't want them to mess up. He wanted them to know explicitly what was expected of them because he loved them. He didn't want them in confusion. He He's not a God like that. He doesn't play games with us. He doesn't want us worried or anxious or wondering what we need to do. And that's the Old Testament covenant, right? All of those rules and things that he told them to do, which prepared his people in the Old Testament. So when the Messiah when Jesus came, he was able to point out to the Israelites that these were the things that your ancestors did. These were the laws of Moses that your people followed and your people were able to be fulfilled and fed and nourished with manna. But now I am bringing the fulfillment of that covenant. So they knew what he was talking about because Leviticus was still, even in Jesus's time, you know, thousands of years later, such a daily part of their lives. Everything that the Jewish people had to do from what they wore, what they ate, how they worshiped, how they married, every aspect of their lives, that was a law of Moses. That's what they knew and learned and remembered from Leviticus. So when Jesus came to fulfill and reestablish the covenant, it began to click. And he reminded and told them that this is what you have to do now to follow me. This is what is expected of you. So from the very beginning, even from Old Testament all the way through to the New, he was preparing his people in the Old Testament, in the time of Moses, giving them direction, giving them a roadmap, showing them, this is what I expect. This is what I want you to do because I love you, because I care about you, because you have been set apart. So I thought that was such a beautiful way of thinking about it. And it is really helping me get through Leviticus in the sense that it's not just a bunch of boring laws and boring details. It's actually all in God's wonderful plan. He always has something that he is trying to communicate, something that he is trying to convey to his people that he loves. Nothing that the Lord does is in vain. Nothing that the Lord does is, you know, just because he wants to do it. He's always imparting a message. He's always either instructing or protecting or loving. There is rhyme and reason to every single thing that he does. So that has really helped me get through 
the doldrums, so to speak, of Leviticus is realizing that the love is in the details. The love is in the details of all of these laws. So I just wanted to share my perspective on that. If you've read the Bible, if you're reading the Bible right now, you've read Leviticus in the past and you've struggled with it, or you might be reading it right now and completely struggling with it. Just a different way for you to start thinking about it. I know when I started thinking about it like that, everything changed and it wasn't boring anymore. It was actually something that I got really, really interested in because it was so detailed that I think I found it more fascinating how detailed God got with his people, the more fascinated I was. Like there was a verse in there where it was something to the effect of Aaron had to touch the blood or something or touch his big toe in a certain way. And it almost made me laugh because I was like, wow, this is a God that really, really loves us. He is going to that much detail about like how he wants Aaron and the priest to stand before the altar and what he wants them to wear and how he wants them to, you know, put the blood. And it's just, it's, it's so fascinating. I absolutely loved it. So I hope this Lenten message put a smile on your face today. I know Lent can seem long. I know Lent can seem hard, but let's just look at it as a way to just kind of slow down and really, really get closer to God and think about it from the point of view of preparation. Let's walk in the footsteps of our Lord. Let's walk with Christ in those 40 days in the desert, a calm time, a time of preparation, a time of shedding the old, all the things that can distract and confuse us and make us angry and can make us more hurt. And if we can just kind of shed off those trappings and get quiet and more simple with the Lord, then this season really does have a chance to be a wonderful time for us to ponder about why we're here and why he loves us so much. I wish you love and light on your Lenten journey. And I would love to say the St. Michael prayer with you. Again, there are tons of temptations out there during Lent. We're very, very tempted a lot of the time to break our Lenten promises to ourselves, whether it's to you know abstain from social media, excess TV watching, wine, coffee, whatever it is that you've chosen to give up this Lenten season, it's very tempting every single day to just, especially if we're alone and no one would see us breaking our Lenten promise, we're breaking it to ourselves and he sees. And I would rather have him be proud of me and know that I was walking with him and persevering for these 40 days. And you know, if we can do 40 days, we can do anything. Look what he accomplished, 40 days in the desert and he was ready to go with with the mission, right? Ready to go and proclaim the gospel and the kingdom. So I would love to pray the St. Michael prayer with you to give us strength, to give us hope, and above all, give us protection against the devil and all the temptations that prevent us from being close to him during this all-important season of Lent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you all. Have a wonderful, blessed week. I will see you very soon.
God bless. Hey lady, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Blessed Beauty Podcast. And if you did, you have no idea how much it would help me if you would just share it with someone that you know would love it too. Or if you would even take 30 seconds and write me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Let's get this show into the hands of more Christian women who need this kind of simple yet solid beauty advice. And if you want to dive a little deeper and you love the show and you feel like you can't find basic, helpful, or non-biased skincare and makeup advice anymore on social media, well, guess what? You're not crazy because influencers on social media, they're sponsored by the beauty companies and they are selling you sponsored products all the while offering skincare advice. That's where my masterclass nude skin comes in. You are going to find everything that you need to know about how to get and keep beautiful skin. It's all about simple beauty advice and embracing your God-given beauty. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.